Thank you for supporting Overcomers Christian Center. From wherever you're listening, we hope that today's message leaves you feeling empowered and equipped. Turn your Bibles with me to the book of 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 7. 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 7. We notice in 2 Timothy chapter 1, uh, second letter that Paul had wrote to Timothy, which he considered his beloved son in the gospel. And he starts it off in the second letter as follows. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, according to the promise of life, which is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, a beloved son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father in Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve with a pure conscience, as my forefathers did, as without ceasing. I remember you in my prayers night and day, greatly desired to see you, being mindful of your tears, that I may be filled with joy. Verse 5, when I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded is in you also. Therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God, which is in you, through the land owned of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And, of course, we read also in verse 5, when I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you. Genuine faith that is in you. Based on what I've just read to you, I want to talk to you from this subject for a few minutes. Genuine faith will give us the victory. Say this with me. Genuine faith. Let's say it like we were in a minute. Genuine faith will give us the victory. When Paul wrote the second letter to Timothy, he uses the phrase, he is a beloved son. A beloved son means, son means someone who is dear, worthy of love. And some people consider Timothy one of his favorite sons in the gospel. Leaders that love you will have your best interests at heart in good and challenging times. Leaders will have your best interests at heart in the good times as well as the challenging times. And we see that he stated he had been praying for him in 2 Timothy 1 and 3. So we see here in the text, I thank God. When I serve you with a pure conscience, as my forefathers did. And Paul mentioned his forefathers, and he also is going to mention uh, Timothy's lineage as well. So I thought that was a good analogy that he brought in his forefathers, and he also going to mention Timothy's uh, parent, excuse me, his mother and his grandmother. And it says here in verse 3, I thank God whom I serve with a pure conscience, as my forefathers did, as without ceasing, I remember you in my prayers night and day. So Timothy was prayed for by Paul. He prayed for him. He petitioned God on his behalf. He prayed for him when he sought wisdom from God on behalf of Timothy. He was receiving counsel from God on behalf of Timothy. And it's a blessing to have leadership who prays for you. 
It's a blessing to have leadership who seeks counsel from God on your behalf, who prays for your best interests in, in life, even though we may not always agree with it, but God always is going to lead individuals in your life to pray for your best interests. And that's good. That's good because God, he is an excellent parent. He is an excellent parent. There is nobody that can even come close to the way that God parents. And so he knows what his children need better than anybody. And so he will lead people on the earth to pray for you for your best interests in mind. And I thank God for that. He says, you know, not my will, but your will, but what will be done. Even Jesus had to come to come to the will of God in certain situations. Now, Galatians 5 and 16, let's look at that scripture real quickly because it tells us something that I believe is important. Excuse me. In our study tonight, Galatians 5 and 16 says this, stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free and do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. So when we read that text, let us know that we when we walk in the spirit, that we will not fulfill the lust or the desires of the flesh. I'm sorry. I say then walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. I'm sorry, I read Galatians 5 and 1. Galatians 5 and 16, I say then walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So we walk in the spirit, we will not fulfill the lust of the flesh, ungodly desires of the flesh. We conclude from this statement that his advice to Timothy would not just be off the top of his head or carnal advice, but spirit-led advice. And it's always important that, that we... Always remember, look at where your advice comes from, especially advice that's going to influence you or cause you to make decisions in life. Does it come from a spirit-led individual or does it come from somebody who can give you good advice, but they really haven't prayed about the advice they're giving you? That's always going to be important because people can give you good advice, but it may not be God's will for your life. Because they see and they go by their emotions, they go by how they feel about you, but God knows what's best for you. And that's why, that's why we need people in our life that were spirit-led that was going to pray for us. We need people that are spirit-led that's going to pray for us. Because when they pray, they're not going to get caught up in what you're going through or even when it's going good or when it's being challenged. They're going to pray that God's will be done in your life. And that's wonderful to me because I want people that's going to pray the will of God in my life. I don't need people to pray that, listen, that you do whatever you want to do and you'll be okay. I don't want to go to hell. I want to be in the will of God. So I want people that's going to be led by the Holy Spirit that's going to pray for my best in that situation. Now, Paul noted that, that notice that they had genuine faith. Let's go back over to 2 Timothy chapter 1. 2 Timothy chapter 1. And in verse 5, when I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, he called it genuine. He called it sincere, unhinged, sincere, real, true, honest, unforced, bona fide, earnest faith, heartfelt faith, authentic faith. It was plain to others that you could see the faith that was in Timothy as well as his grandmother and his mother. It was something that was obvious. It was evident. It was transparent. People could see the faith that Timothy had. I thought about this when uh, there was a certain group of people who brought a certain a lame man to Jesus. 
And the Bible says that he could, they could see his faith when they did the things that they did. And I, I wonder, can people see our faith? Is our faith genuine? Is it evident? Is it transparent? Do we make decisions based off the written and revealed word of God? Or do people say, you know what, I wonder if they're saved or not saved. But then there is a certain group that should be able to see our faith. The faith that was in Tim was also in his spiritual lineage, was his mother as well as his grandmother, according to 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 5. We need to allow the spiritual mature Christians to influence us, to those who have an effect on the character of us. We need to let spiritual mature Christians influence us and not let other individuals who are fleshly or carnal, especially when it comes to major things in life, now, you nothing wrong with getting advice from individuals, but always weigh it out by the Holy Spirit. Always weigh it out by the Holy Spirit. People can give you good sounding advice, but it may hinder you from what God's will is for your life. And that's always imperative and always important. I, I love to have people in my life that say, you know what? I love you, Dobbs. I'm going to tell you the truth according to what the Holy Spirit is leading me to tell you. Because that's going to make a difference in my life. That's the only way I can get better for God. If I, you know, if we have people that's going to be the right type of Christian influence in our lives. That's why spiritual mature Christians are proven to practice applying the written and revealed word, and excuse me, even in the midst of adversity. And that, that, that helps us to grow. When we learn how to apply the word of God, even in adversity, it causes us to grow. It causes us to make better decisions when we do what's right according to the word of God. When things come up against us and we say, hey, should I do this or should I do that? Spiritual mature individuals will lead and guide you the way that God will have you to go. They would definitely lead you in the way you would have for you to go. That's why I believe Timothy had to put himself in a position to have authentic faith by hearing and applying the word of God as we read in Romans 10 and 17. Let's go over there in Romans 10 and 17 real quickly. You say, how did he get genuine faith? That's the question that I want to just ponder just for a moment. Because we realize that genuine faith just don't come off of one service. It takes time to have genuine faith. If you have faith that's going to ride the different changes that go on in your life, you're going to need more than one service in order to get them. It's going to take time to get them. I'm, I'm telling you quickly, it's going to take time to get to a place where your faith is genuine. Authentic, it's real, it's bona fide. It takes more than one service. And one thing I was thinking about as I'm preparing for this, you can also, you can have genuine faith, but you can start missing service after service, and your faith will, will no longer be genuine. It'll start to slide off at a decline, and sooner or later, you will no longer be bona fide, authentic, or real in your faith. We've seen people, I know you probably know people, if you think about it, that had faith, but because of the diversities or adverse, adverse, adversities they faced in life, and they did not apply the written and revealed word of God, it caused them to, their faith to slide off and get weak until eventually, and they no longer believe in what God said. Well, they'll say stuff like, I'm a Christian, and I believe this, that, and the other. But when it comes down to it, they're depending on their flesh. They're depending on uh, what they think. They're depending on natural ability instead of depending on what the Holy Spirit is leading them to do. That's why Romans 10 and 17 is so important. Which reads as follows. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. If I'm going to have genuine faith, i got to continue to hear 
the word of God. Now, what is when I say here, receive divine instructions. Receive divine instructions. When I, if, if I'm going to be have genuine faith, I'm going to have to receive divine instructions. Not only am I going to receive it, I'm going to have to make it a habit of receiving divine instruction. Because I've learned over the years, when you walk with Jesus, you you're not you can't be prepared for everything that comes your way. But you got to re- continue to receive divine instruction. Sometimes I believe that this is my opinion. God will hold back certain information until a certain service come up to make sure that you're in the right place and hear it at the right time. He, you're not going to hear it too soon. And you're not going to hear it too late. It's going to be in a, in a certain position where God will hear it. And he, and you know how God is. He'll show you things to come. How does he do that? Because he reveals things to you. And what does he do? A lot of times he just prepares you for what you get ready to deal with. That's receiving divine instructions. Something coming up in your life. And you ought, you ought to be in a position. And we ought to know by now, if God is teaching us about faith in this season, then we ought to know that God is preparing us to operate in that faith that he's been teaching us about. Something's coming up that we want to have faith. And it's not going to be based on what we see. It's going to be based on what's already in us. That's why he's, he's getting it in us now before we deal with what we're going to deal with coming up down the road. And I'm so glad he loved me enough to prepare me before I get there. Wouldn't you hate to be a, serve an all-knowing God that won't prepare you for what's coming your way? Ooh-wee. That would be a sad state for God. If God knows something get ready to hit my life, and he said, you know what, I ain't going to prepare dogs for it. I'm just going to let him just face it, boom, just like that. No. If I come to service after service, God should prepare me for a way that even if it may shape me, it won't move me. Even if it, if it knocks me a little bit, it won't move me away from what God has called me to do. And I thank God he loves me to that point. And we, and, and it just happens. I, pr- I pray it don't. That's why it's important. Three generations of hearing and applying God's word. We see it in his grandmother, we see it in his, excuse me, Timothy's grandmother, we see it in Timothy's mother, and we see it in Timothy. Three generations. Three generations of hearing and applying God's word. He called it genuine faith, bona fide. Three generations. One thing about Timothy couldn't say that it didn't work. Because he had what? Three generations. I can imagine it went every time that Timothy tried to complain to his grandmother, grandmother said, oh, you, oh, you ain't, you ain't, listen, what you dealing with right now, I dealt with that. In fact, I dealt with it more than one time. That's why it's good to have good spiritual lineage or good spiritual authority in your life. Some people that have dealt with some stuff before. Some people that have said, you know what, I know you, you're dealing with this right now, but I promise you, this too shall pass. This is only temporary. God going to get you out of this just like he got you out of that. And I'm sure that his grandmother experienced, and I'm sure that his mother experienced, and I'm sure that Timothy, he's going to be able to deal with the individual he's coming in contact with to help them deal with what they're dealing with now. And I'm sure that many of us in the sanctuary, that God is preparing you to help deal with people that is going to be coming up down the road. And they'll be saying, well, how, how, why are you so calm in the midst of all what you're dealing with? Because God has prepared me. He's, got, he's called genuine faith to be in my life. That's why you don't panic when, when they, say, say, they say certain things on the job. Because you, you got genuine faith. That's why you don't get upset when they say certain things. Because why? You got genuine faith. You said this ain't nothing temporary right here. They can say all kinds of things to you, but you got enough faith to say this ain't nothing but temporary. 
Oh, this too shall pass. God is preparing me to get through this what I'm dealing with right now. And, and Timothy had a good example and his grandmother as well as his mother and in this life. And not only did he have them, he also had Paul in his life who treated him like a beloved son. And I think as well that when we have people in our life that love us enough to tell us what thus saith the Lord, that love us enough to help us make godly decisions, we can be in the same type of situation. Ooh, thank you, God. That's why I believe it's important for us to, that no matter what takes place in our life, they, they must and we must as well be available to receive consistent teachings of the word of God. We got to be consistent. It's going to be done. It's going to be done the same way. It's going to be accurate in what we do. But when we get consistent with it, you notice how when you consistent with it, your faith just grows. You ever notice how God will deal with you about something on Sunday and they will deal with you something different on Wednesday. But it all goes in line with what God is doing. Because he knows what's getting ready to come up in our lives. And he said, you know what? I want my, my child to be victorious. I want my child to be an overcomer. I want my child to be the head and not the tail. I want my child to look at this thing and says, this too shall pass. I want God to be in that position. I want us all to be in that position that no matter what comes our way, we're going to be victorious in what we do for God. That's why it takes consistency. I wish you could just be, uh, you could just get it overnight. But to really have genuine faith, you're going to have to be consistent. you really going to have to be consistent. And I promise you, if you're consistent, oh, you, you're, going, you're going to be an overcomer. If you're consistent, it's going to be, you're going to be victorious. If you're consistent, you're going to say, weeping may endure for a night, but joy come up in the morning. When you're consistent, things work out for your good because you love God and you call it according to his purpose. When you are consistent, oh, you're going to get at your heart's desire when you are consistent with God. Now, it seems evident they heard and applied, and not only did they hear and apply, I believe they shared the word of God as well. Why do you say that? Because Timothy had it. Who did he get it from? I believe his mother. Who did he, his mother get it from? His grandmother. They shared it. And some one another reason I share it because Paul knew about their faith. Somebody had to tell Paul about his grandmother's faith as well as his Timothy's faith as well as his mother's faith. Somebody had to tell Paul because to me it was something that was not just evident. Somebody had to tell him about it. So I believe truly that it, it was it was imperative this uh, and, and evident that somebody shared with them what what's going on in my life, their life. In my opinion, they have to have heard many sermons over the years and applied what they have learned in order for their faith to be genuine. And faith, what we call the faith in this, in this particular definition, hearing and applying the written and revealed word of God. When you say you got faith, that means you heard the word, Romans 10 17, and you take what you heard and you apply it. That is faith. Because a lot of people hear the word, but they don't really apply what they heard. Some people are not even fortunate enough to hear the word. So they can't apply what they do not or have not heard. Now let's go back over to our text this morning, morning, this evening, 2 Timothy chapter 1, and we're going to look at verse 6. Let me, real briefly, Paul and the apostle Jesus Christ. Now remember now, Paul 
in his second letter to Timothy. He calls Timothy his beloved son. And he's talking to Timothy and giving him encouragement in the first part of this letter. He says, Timothy, I've been praying for you. And you read here that he's been praying for him night and day. He wanted to really see Timothy. Being mindful of the tears, I've been filled with joy. And then he talked about his grandmother and his mother and talked about how that the faith that was in them, the genuine faith, was also in Timothy. And then he makes an interesting statement to me, in my opinion. He says, therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God, which is in you, through the laying on of my hands. He instructed Timothy to stir up the gift of God that was in him. To strengthen, to inflame, in other words, to kindle up, to stir it up so it basically starts working for you. It starts working for you. See, godly leadership will constantly encourage you to strengthen the gift that is in you as well as others. Because we, we've talked about this before. You remember, the gift is not for you. It's for those that God puts you in contact with. The gift is not any, I can study all I want to. The gift of pastor is for me to feed you with knowledge and understanding. Whatever gift you got, it's not for you. It's for others around you. And we ought to be in a position, like he told Timothy, when he says stir it up, stir it up so basically you can use it for some a purpose that he's been called for. Stir up, Timothy, what I told you, what I instruct you to do. So in turn, you can be all that God has called. You can fulfill the purpose that God has put you here on the earth for. There is a gift. And the end, we'll read, let's go, go to Romans 11. Romans 11. Romans 11. I was about to say it, but I want to go, read it first before I... Before I say it, Romans chapter 11, verse 29 through 31. Again, it goes back to what we said earlier. God is giving you a gift, but the gift is not just for you. It's for those around you. For the gifts and calling of God are irrevocable. For as you were once disobedient to God, yet have now obtained mercy through their obedience. Even so, these also have, have been, excuse me, also have now been disobedient that through the mercy shown you, they also may obtain mercy. Thank God for mercy. Thank God for mercy. This scripture lets us know the gifts and calling of God are irrevocable. God does not regret giving it to you, but they come with a level of mercy. When God gives a person a gift, he does not force them to use it for what his will is. He doesn't force a person. He does not force a person to do anything. But you will be held accountable for what you do with your gifts. That's why you see people with gifts and they'll take them and use them for worldly influence. But yet, God won't change his mind. You know what? God will snatch that gift away from him. He said, you know what? I gave you the gift. What you do with it is up to you. And many of us need to take heed to that, that whatever gift God gives us is up to us what we do with it. It's up to us how we develop it. It's up to us how we use it for God's will on the earth here. Now, he won't take it from you because he says here it's irrevocable, but he will hold us accountable for it. 
I believe that he wants everyone to benefit from the giving. He wants us to benefit from your extraordinary power, your distinguished abilities. And your ability would not be my ability. It's distinguished, but God has given each purpose, each person in this sanctuary a different ability for the kingdom of God. I love that. I don't have to have... and therefore, we don't have to be jealous of what God gives another person because God, we should be happy with the gift that God gives us. Why should I be gift if you can sing or you can dance or you can do whatever, draw, whatever? I should be happy because I know that that gift is a benefit to me. So just like my gift is a benefit to you, I should not be jealous or upset about your different ability. But we all must have, we all will give an account to the gift that God has given to us. This is what you need to know. God knows every gift he put inside of you. He knows it. This is one thing you can't trick God about. He said, do you know what? You can't go to God on the day when you got to give an account and talk about, well, God, I didn't have this certain gift in my life. He said, hold on, I know exactly what I put in you. I put it in there before the foundation of the world. Now, what did you do with the gift I gave you? And one way you learn about how to use your gift is through knowledge and understanding of the Word of God. Thank God for knowledge and understanding of the Word of God. And that's why I believe, truly believe that's why he says over one of the reasons. He says all the reasons. The next scripture in 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 7. Let's go back to that scripture real quickly. Because this to me is where we wanted to get to. And we started on this one this past Sunday for a moment, Holy Spirit kind of led me back to it as I was preparing for tonight. Well, Richard, sorry. I marked and then forgot where I put the mark in. Here we go. Second Timothy 1 and 7. For God has not given us a spirit of fear. Let's deal with that for a moment before we deal with the rest of it. Paul is telling Timothy, God does not give his people a spirit of fear. Now, one of the questions I had, why did Paul have to tell Timothy such a statement as that? Why did he have to tell him that? Could be several reasons. One of the reasons I thought about is somebody could have told Timothy that fear or a type of fear of what you're dealing with comes from God. Sometimes people get, they receive fear based on what I consider false or erroneous teachings. They'll tell you that fear, because of all the things that fear encompasses, is that that must come from God. Or something similar to fear. Now, understand this. This particular fear we're talking about is not the fear we talk about when we talk about respect and so forth. This is fear that the Bible says brings about torment. And he says, more specifically, this does not come from God. And we need to know that. We need to know that. That fear does not come. This type of fear does not come from God. And that is so important. When he tells us this, he wants us and everyone that reads this to understand that being timid, being cowardly, 
afraid, I like the definition, I believe the Lord gave it to me, afraid to apply the written and revealed word of God. Afraid to apply it. You got it, but you're afraid to apply it. You heard it, but you're afraid to apply it. You think that it's for everybody else when God specifically had that word for you, but you don't want to use it. Afraid to use what God has dropped down in your spirit or in your in your being. Afraid to use it. The fear that I believe he's talking about there. See, Paul wanted to make sure that God, that, they, that Timothy, as well as others, understood that God does not give people a spirit of fear. But I'll be honest with you, even people of faith are sometimes challenged, challenged to overcome fear, especially when it comes to their gift and developing the gift in others. People are challenged to overcome fear. And I'll be honest with you, you can overcome fear one year, and the next year you'll be dealing with it if you ain't careful. Because you got to constantly hear that word in order to keep fear out of your life. Because fear can creep up. Let's talk a little bit more about this before I move on. A DOS report can, can cause fear in your life if you ain't careful. The doctor can tell you facts. There's stuff that is going on in your body. And if you're not careful, you'll walk out of that doctor's office fearful. Afraid. Like doctor got the final say so. You can look at your finances one day and you know you got something coming up that's major and you need a certain amount of money to take care of the obligation. But fear can creep up in you and say, you know what? I ain't going to make it. I need to do certain things in order to get that obligation made. Instead of trusting in God and following his plan for your life. You can be in the church for a number of years. A number of years. Haven't dealt with fear in a long time. And something can happen and fear can overwhelm you. Overwhelm you. You can be in the church minding your own business. If you ain't careful, fear will like it almost jump out on you and, and just will try to overtake you if you're not careful. Ain't, hasn't, have not dealt with fear in years. But fear has not forgot about you. Because fear, remember how the, the Bible talks about how that the spirit will leave out and then it will go to and fro, but eventually will make its way back around if you ain't careful. And it'll bring back seven other worse than it. And it'll try to invade the territory it once left which is our lives that basically was talking about there. Well, fear could be one of those if you ain't careful. We'll try to come back and bring other things with it. Relationships, if you're not careful, will bring fear. People can come in your life and bring fear. Jobs and businesses and other things like that can bring fear. Erroneous teaching can cause fear to come up in your life. One of the things I, um, I'm going to talk about later, fear cannot be tolerated. Fear cannot be tolerated. Even people of faith are sometimes tries to overcome fear. And some, I'm talking about people of faith. And I believe truly that 
notice what Paul said about Timothy. He says, I believe you got genuine faith, which first dwelled in your mother as well as your grandmother. And then a few sentences later, he says, Timothy, notice the one who got genuine faith. The one who is just like his mother and his grandmother. The one who we expect to operate by faith. He says, Timothy, for God has not given us a spirit of fear. Timothy now. Timothy, use the man that we said had genuine faith, authentic, bona fide faith. You don't, we don't need to have fear. And I thought that was interesting that Paul would make that statement. I believe God does not give his children a spirit of fear because fear brings torment. Let's go to 1 John 4 and 18. And see, I don't want nobody to be tormented. Torment is something else, y'all. I've been tormented before. So I understand that it's not nothing you play with. See, torment will have you not sleeping at night. Torment will have you taking stuff or doing stuff that is not the right thing to do. Fear, see, torment will have you taking pills that you don't necessarily need. Torment will have you in relationships that you don't necessarily need to be in. And you know you'll need to be in because you're tormented. You'll be in those relationships. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Because fear involves torment. Torment is punishment, hurt, affliction, and distress. In any other word, you can associate with that. But fear brings about torment. See, people start making decisions out of torment. People get in relationships out of torment. Sometimes people will actually do certain things with certain people out of torment. Out of affliction, out of distress, out of hurt and punishment. And fear can be received as it comes from God. That's why I believe Paul had to tell Timothy, God did not give you that fear call it a spirit of fear he didn't give you that that didn't come from God that that did not come from God and it's amazing and I don't know all the details behind it but it had to be to a point where Paul had to address it that it it must have made such an impact in Timothy's life he said I better tell my my beloved son "This this did not come from God so don't you receive that and if you did receive it, get rid of it. Get rid of it. Everybody say, get rid of it. That's it. Faith will stretch you. Faith will stretch you to trust God when you may not see the steps to your victory. We must grow in God's word to overcome fear. That's, that's really the key right there. You got to grow in God's word. You just can't sit around and think that if you ever have to deal with fear or if you ever dealt with fear in the past, fear ain't forgot about you. Fear has not forgot. If it, fear had a grip on your life years ago, it will come back again. We all need to make sure that we are operating in faith. Fear will lead to mistrust, selfishness, worry, anxiety, stress, pride, etc. Oh, fear will have you stressing out. Sure. It surely will. 
Did they have you worried about stuff that hasn't even happened yet? Sitting up in the middle of the night, worried, looking at the dark. Why? Because of fear. Because fear will talk to you. It has to talk to you to bring about the torment, to bring about the worry, the anxiety, the mistrust, and so forth. That's why fear cannot be tolerated. So Paul goes on to give Timothy three ways to overcome fear in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. The first thing he gives us is that God gives us power. He gives us power to overcome fear. And anything else, too, they come your way. Power is ability, strength. And I like this definition. Influenced by the Holy Spirit. Boy, that would give you power. So you, if you can't be influenced by the Holy Spirit, why would God give you power? Ask yourself the question. If I'm going to be influenced by the world, why would he give me power to be influenced by the world? Now, he give me power to be influenced by him. So in turn, I can overcome the obstacles that come my way. Second thing he gives us is love. Love is goodwill. And God working good for us. You know God loves you because all things work together for the good. Because we love God, they call it according to his purpose. Romans 8, 28. So you know that God loves you. There's no way in the world we could be here if God didn't love us. We know, we, let's face it, some of us would know we would be in a ditch right now if God did not love us. Because, let's put it like this, it's his love that keeps us. And his love that will continue to keep us. And the third thing he gave us is a sound mind. Moderation, a sound mind, I like this definition, control to let God work in us. Your mind is in a position that God can work in you. Your mind is in a position that God can work in you as well as me. So we, that's why we have power, love, and a sound mind. We see that genuine faith will give us the victory. We will defeat an enemy or an opponent. We're overcome. We're going to win. Everybody say, I'm a winner. Based on first, let's go to first John 5 and 4. First John 5 and 4 reads as follows. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Those that overcomes the world, our faith. Now the world wants us to think, talk, and act like the ungodly of those that are separated from God. But God wants us to think, talk, and act like him based on our trust, our assurance, our confidence in Jesus. Anything associated with fear, such as challenges in health, finances, relationship, business dealing, making major decisions, even our ministry gifts and spiritual maturity should be more influenced by faith than fears. We cannot be afraid to apply God's word. You cannot be afraid to apply God's word. I mean, if anything you're going to do, and this, understand this too, you may not be in a position yet to plot like other mature saints, but start where you're at. Start where you are at applying God's word. If it's come to praying, you may not pray like I pray, maybe, you know, for a length of time, but you can pray five to ten minutes a day. Well, you, you see now that's, that's changing your life for the better. If you make, listen, you make, you start off giving God his tithes and you start giving offerings. It's building your faith to make it better. You start just coming to church every time the door is open. 
you're going to watch your faith just grow and things start to get what? Better. That's why better is here and better is what? There you go, my brother. You understand that God has better for you. That's why he loves us. He's going to give us the victory. Genuine faith will give us the victory. Let's give Jesus a hand of praise for his word. Thank you for your word. Thank you so much for listening to today's message. Please subscribe to our podcast. And if you're ever in the Villarica area, you can visit us at 3193 South Van Wert Road in Villarica, Georgia, on Sunday mornings at 10 and Wednesday evenings at 7. You can also reach us at 770-459-6221. That's 770-459-OCC1. Follow us on Facebook at Overcomers Christian Center and visit us online at occvr.org. We pray that you're empowered and equipped in today's world.